Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to try to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Today is going to be episode two of our Purpose Book Club. We're reading a book called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Uh, It's been really good so far. We went through the first 70 pages last week. Today we're going to go through the next 70 pages. Uh, Next week we'll go through the uh, third set of 70 pages. I guess we'll be on what? uh, What is 210. We'll be on page 210 uh, next week, next Wednesday. Uh, Today I read up to page 132 because that's where part three started, I believe it is. um, yeah, part three starts on page 133, and it was kind of there was nothing of benefit really after that uh, up to page 140. So, or well, there was things of benefit, but they continued on past 140. So I felt like talking about them would be better in the next episode. So I only went up to page 132 for today's episode. I'm gonna make it tr- kind of short and sweet. I've got some notes. Uh, The story has a lot of the hunt in it, and uh, it's got a lot of just good information to know. Uh, I was able to dive deep on a few of these. Not quite as much as I was the last section, but we're going to give it a good go. So, first few pages from page 70, he's kind of talking about his flight, Um, you know, getting uncomfortable during the flight. It was was pretty cool. Um, Page 76 is where I got my first note where I really said, hey, I need to kind of take note of that. And he's talking about a loneliness epidemic. So he's talking about um, being alone. I guess they they arrive there and he's just so alone uh, in the Alaskan wilderness. And then he goes into um, kind of a discussion about uh, being lonely and how a lot of people in the United States today are really, really lonely. And he calls it on page 76, a loneliness epidemic. And what I ta- what I took note of was here he says it's like the uh, one, two, three, uh, like the third paragraph down, he starts with the physical and mental health effects of this epidemic are substantial. Scientists at Brigham Young University found that it doesn't matter how old you are or how much money you have, being lonely increases your risk of dying in the next seven years by 26%. Overall, it can shorten life by 15 years. That's equivalent to smoking half a pack of cigarettes a day. Good relationships are also, according to another study conducted over 80 years by researchers at Harvard, a key ingredient to happiness across your lifespan. Good relationships beat fortune and fame. So, yeah, you know, on the face, that seems kind of obvious. And one big reason is suicide. So it, when people are lonely, uh, when they feel so alone that they don't, they can't go forward, they have no help going forward. That's when they tend to like commit suicide. And so, yeah, it makes sense that it shortens the overall lifespan for people who are lonely. And I think one reason, and you know, of course I'm going to default to purpose because that's, that's my whole gig. Uh, but one reason that I think that that happens when people are lonely is because they don't have a place. They don't have anybody to serve. They don't have a purpose in their community. And that leaves you as being useless. And, you know, we are our own 
worst critic. I know you hear that a lot, but when somebody else can call us useless and if we don't feel like we're useless, that's not going to hurt near as much as if we feel like we're useless and we are useless. If nobody in our life, um, if we don't have anybody in our life that has a deep, meaningful relationship, like a wife, for example, or a brother or a sister or, you know, your family that you can serve and provide for something, it doesn't need to be money. It can be, you know, uh, let's take, uh, my wife, for example, she's not the main provider of the home, but she provides a home. (laughs) This wouldn't be a home without her. It would be a bachelor pad. It would be an apartment. Okay. I provide the money for her to do that. And she provides a home. She has a purpose. And so, you know, I think if any of you guys are experiencing this kind of loneliness epidemic where you're really, really lonely, start trying to find your purpose and, and find it. Uh, th- he goes on on page 77. Uh, he, he talks about finding people and, and getting out and building relationships. He says, these methods are probably helpful, but we should surely all work on building strong human bonds. Oh, and we should surely all work on building strong human bonds. But I'm also skeptical of the idea that say some cruise swilling guy who plays shortstop for a softball team I signed up for could ever provide me with a real emotional support or insight into myself. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a shallow relationship. And a lot of people think that, um, a lot of people try to have more shallow relationships because they don't really require the maintenance that a real deep relationship does with somebody. Um, and they get themselves in trouble or, you know, like, yeah, you can have a purpose within your job, but if there's no deep relationships within your job, you're not actually going to have a purpose because that that person doesn't actually need you. Uh, you know, there's a a saying that, you know, oh, if you die at your job, they're going to have your position filled in two months, like, or two weeks. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They're going to, um, you know, if you die tomorrow, uh, your job is going to fill your spot. Uh, some of those relationships are shallow now. That's not to say that you can't find purpose in your relationships at work. Uh, but those are few and far between. And so, I think it's important that if you as young men, if you start to find yourselves lonely and uh, number one, give me a call because most of you have my number, shoot me a DM on Instagram if you don't, um, and we'll chat, um, but start to try to find meaning in relationships and building deep relationships with people. You know, uh, a lot of young guys, they tend to, and we're told this, that we need to go out and we need to provide and we need to get a job. Um, I actually heard it today from from somebody. He said, yeah, man, I wish my son would just go out and do some traveling and make some money. He's young and single. And, and yeah, that's fine. I mean, if you can still find purpose and do that and maintain your goals, but also I see a lot of young men that go and they, they go on the grind, uh, right out of high school and, uh, they end up, you know, 27, 28 without, uh, a wife or a family. And then they look up and they go, damn, I, you know, all this work and yeah, I've got some money for myself. I got some decent things that I bought myself, but I, I want purpose. And, you know, even though I've given years of my life to this profession, it hasn't provided me with really a purpose or you see them dive deeper into that. And, you know, they can't actually create deep relationships with people because they're so invested in, in what they're doing. And then they still feel lonely. That job's not going to be there for you when they lay you off. It's not going to. Your wife will if you maintain that relationship. Um, So, yeah, try to foster deep relationships and, uh, and, 
try to overcome some of that loneliness. And he goes on in here to talk about how being lonely can, like being alone, not being lonely, but being alone can be good. I don't really have any comment for that. I don't know that I agree with that, honestly. Um, he talks in here about some of the, the benefits of being lonely and going out alone and doing things alone. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really um, see all the benefits of that. I I haven't seen those. I mean, I'll take his word for it. But, uh, you know, for me, I feed off of people. And I think that's just kind of the, the type of person you are. When I'm alone, uh, I feel really lonely. And yeah, I, I can be alone and I go do things alone. I'm not codependent. And maybe that's what he's saying here is don't be codependent. But also, um, you know, try to foster good, meaningful relationships. And don't wait until it's, and don't wait until it's too late. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't sit around on your hands and grind, 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 grind at your job or whatever you're doing and wait until it's too late to foster, uh, those meaning, meaningful relationships to where you're, you're not going to get what you want and be able to build that relationship like you could if you started earlier. And uh, again, I'm not saying this works for everybody, but, uh, if you don't have deep relationships and you're a person that tends to feel lonely, it's absolutely key that you need to make that a priority. Uh, and again, if you need any help, give me a shout, go get some help. Uh, talk to suicide hotline. If it's getting that bad, don't be lonely. Try to foster deep, meaningful relationships. And if, if you don't have room and here's another thing, get rid of the shallow relationships because the only thing that they do is they take up your time Number one, they take up your time. Number two, they don't provide you with any sort of purpose or meaning. So it's it's a drain is what it is. Uh, and no, I'm not saying, you know, I have quote unquote friends that, you know, they're not in my inner circle. I don't spend just a ton of time uh, with them and they're still quote unquote friends. But those are also not people that I'm willing to, I'm, I'm super loyal to. It's not very deep at all. Um, and yeah, you can have those people, but I would say that you need to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward on your meaningful relationships. And then, you know, occasionally if you want to hang out with those people, hang out with those people, that's fine, but make sure they're not draining from you and keeping you from pursuing meaningful relationships. You know, that's, that's one thing with finding a wife is, um, a lot of people will try to find a wife in the group of good time and friends that they've got. And yeah, that's, that's okay. Um, I'm not saying that you can't find a wife in the middle of your bar hangout group or, you know, your party group. Maybe you're both looking for the same thing. Uh, but the, the chances of you finding a meaningful relationship, uh, amongst a bunch of people that you have no meaningful relationships with, uh, it's, it's slim to none. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the fact that you're actually going to be able to create and foster an amazing marriage off of that, go find it in some place where you all have purpose and meaning, uh, you know, with each other, like church or, uh, you know, a gym, uh, and you know, gyms are just kind of a place to where you're. It, it depends on what kind of gym, but I could think of like the CrossFit gym. Uh, these We're all in there. We're all doing group workouts. We all have a purpose for being there. We all encourage one another. We're not all at the bar just, just hanging out and dicking around. Uh, try to Try to really, really put effort into finding meaning in your relationships to avoid being lonely and, and spending time on pointless draining relationships, I think is, is really what I, what I was trying to get out of that. So it goes on, um, 
yeah, the page 77, shallow relationships, uh, page kind of 77 to, uh, 86 and maybe like 80 to 86. They're talking about the, the hunting story. I'm not going to dive too far into the hunting story. If I catch anything that is maybe like wrong, or I think there is one where he, uh, it's, it's like he makes, he says a wrong term or something like that, uh, later on in the hunting story, not too worried about it. It's, it's a cool story. Uh, fantastic story. I just don't have anything to add. So, uh, anyway, we go all the way to page 86. Let's see. Oh, yeah, they're at the end, uh, kind of end of this story. And uh, Donnie says, he says, then Donnie gets serious. He says, yes, this morning could have been bad. Oh, they're talking about they nearly lost the TP. So the TP nearly blew away, and that would have been very terrible to be out in the elements. Uh, but Donnie says, yes, this morning could have been bad, he says. But moments like that you might find that they make everything else more colorful and more manageable uh, I think that was a, a nod back to the first section when he was talking about how uh, getting uncomfortable and having hard experiences allow you to build kind of stepping stones for new for new hard experiences you know he says that you might find that that makes everything else more colorful and more manageable you know that was a a really hard circumstance and one that had a lot of danger wrapped up into it and basically what he's saying is that now that we have that point of reference for what could really go wrong out here everything else seems kind of like not that big of a deal you know it's kind of like when uh your house needs to be painted uh and you don't want to do it and you put it off for a little bit, but then you end up having to completely replace all the floors because it flooded. And you're like, damn, now that paint really doesn't seem that bad. I'll just slap it on in about six hours. You know, I did all the reflooring, paint ain't nothing. It's kind of like that. Um, you know, or uh, this is tragic. I hope it doesn't happen to anybody. But say you get in like a little fender bender or your wife backs into your truck. This didn't happen to me, but for example, uh, it really didn't. <laughs> but say your wife backs into your truck and, you know, you're super upset about it for three days. And then, you know, a week later, your house burns down. Well, the truck thing doesn't really seem that bad. And so what they're really trying to get at here is by uh, instead of adjusting and adjust your frame of reference uh, and make sure that your reference point is grounded for your experiences in the future. And that goes with getting uncomfortable. That goes with the bad things that can happen in life. Have empathy. You know, one thing that really brings this to mind is have empathy for other people and understand that reference point of how bad it could really get for you. Yeah, we have objective truths. You know, yeah, everybody's walking their own path and, and certain things are worse for other people. But understand and have a good reference point for how bad things can really get or like I said on on a more pa on a more positive note what hard things you can actually do by doing hard things you create a reference point for what you can actually do and you can judge the things that you do in your life on that scale uh, that's it's just a good little note good little nugget that I try to follow is is making sure that my reference point is solid for the way that I judge the actions and the things that go on in my life so Good little note there on page 86. Uh, let's see. The next page of notes. We're going to go to page. Let's see. 
going to go to page 97. He talks a lot about boredom. Uh, he kind of goes on a, on a good little talk about boredom and how the lack of being bored is causing issues to where kids no longer have boredom. They're constantly being stimulated by whatever it is and how it's, it's causing creativity to go down. And, uh, yeah, he actually goes into some really good points and I've got on page, uh, 97. So he says the way we dealt with boredom before we began surrounding ourselves in constant comfort delivered benefits that are essential for our brain health, productivity, personal sanity, and sense of meaning. But there's been a cosmic shift in boredom. The way we now deal with it is like junk food for your mind says Dankert. So I think the key takeaway there is that, um, boredom, just like anything else, it can be good or bad. And the way to make boredom good is to try to do something productive and uncomfortable when you're bored. Okay, be creative when you're bored. Uh, you know, I, I, I go back to my younger days and maybe the reason that I am the way I am. And it was because when boredom happened, uh, yeah, I had a Game Boy and a Nintendo DS, but I would get uh, bored on that very, very quickly. And we always had something around like Legos to where it was a pure creative state to where you could never get bored. And, uh, you know, I like to do that now with the podcast, uh, sit down and write or, you know, what takes up my boredom now is getting uncomfortable. And I think the creative aspect and the uncomfortable aspect, uh, those two things are both equally important as far as how do we deal with boredom. And if you can do it, uh, if you can do both, do both. Uh, and I think he's going to, yeah, he's going to get out, uh, get to that here in a sec. But uh, if you experience yourself being bored, instead of picking up your cell phone and scrolling on it uh, and, and getting just dopamine hits for doing nothing, uh, then try to go do something and then get a dopamine hit when you've accomplished accomplished that. And Jocko talks a lot about that. Uh, Andrew Huberman, he's he's really good on kind of what dopamine does. And it's it's kind of like the drive hormone. It, it what makes you it's what makes you get out and go do things. And what really gets what really causes issues is when you get that dopamine uh, without actually going and doing something to get it, uh, without going through a bit of discomfort or creativity or expending some energy to get that hit of dopamine. And that's why cell phones are bad. And he goes he goes through that, I mean, all the way to uh, like page 106. Uh, he talks about uh, boredom and cell phones and what how cell phones can... Uh, negatively affect uh what we're doing and you know negatively affect our lives when we're constantly turning to them for entertainment so uh yeah just make sure when you're bored when you're not doing anything instead of sitting your ass down watching tv you're scrolling through tiktok for three fucking hours um Number one, delete the communist app off your phone. Number two, don't go right back to Instagram Reels. Get up, go take a walk, go do something creative, go get a pump in, do something difficult and get that dopamine. And even he says it, these phones aren't all bad. Uh, I wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for my phone. There's friends that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for my phone and Twitter. There are things that I would never be able to do and learn if it wasn't for my phone. I probably wouldn't be able to hunt the way I do if it wasn't for 
my phone because of the maps. Okay, I wouldn't be as connected. I wouldn't know about the things I know about. And the phone, I, I think that the phone and the internet are a collective good as long as you're supplementing, uh, as long as number one, it's not your first priority. And number two, you're getting that dopamine elsewhere. Uh, you're getting that reward hormone elsewhere by going and doing uncomfortable things and getting creative. And for those of you that have kids, this is really, really important to instill early. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, when we have kids, uh, we're not going to do the technology and we're not going to do the iPads and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, two years later when they're screaming at the dinner table, what do they do? They bring out the iPad. And, uh, you know, I understand some of that. And we've been told by a million people because I'm that way. I'm not going to do this, the the iPad bullshit. They may get like a Game Boy, but they're not going to take it to the dinner table and we're not going to depend on it. It's, It's not going to happen. And every parent that we ever tell that, you know, tell that says, oh yeah, you'll give in eventually. Um, No, instill this idea of boredom into your kids and making them go and find something, put in effort to find something to do. And you know, a lot of people that I know are good at that. Some people aren't. Uh, And it's it's important to make sure that your kids are willing to, uh, we talked about delayed gratification with Drew Perkins. They're willing to delay gratification and work for gratification. A lot of people talk about delayed gratification. Not many people talk about earned gratification. And I think it's important for young kids to have to earn gratification, not necessarily just do it on the on the uh, the Xbox, the Nintendo DS, things like that. Those are cool on a rainy day when you're chilling, uh, when you're at work and you have to be at your desk, um, things like that to where you just need to get your mind off of something. Yeah, hop on the cell phone, hop on the video game. Understood. But uh, make sure that it's not a key part of your life and especially make sure that it's not a a key part of your kid's life Um, and live that example too. Uh, Yeah, live that example. If you're not going to let them have their phones at the dinner table, you best not have your damn phone at the the dinner table. Be an example. so that was a little bit more on, on boredom. The next note I have is going to be on page 118. So flipping right there. So he says, let's see. Yeah. He says, I'm going to try to read this and get it right the first time. I apologize, guys. I don't read out well, read out loud very well. She, uh, it starts off, he's talking to this uh, researcher named Hotman, and it goes like this. People are busy, said Hotman. I get it. Some days you'll have a pile of work. A walk through the park seems unfeasible. Any time away from the grind feels like too much time away from the grind. I tell busy people about the productivity and creativity benefits of nature, she said. Think of the short walk outside like a high return investment in yourself. Those 20 minutes in the park may cause you to pump out, say, 20 widgets instead of the 18 you could have done had you tried to power through the day in a burnout mode. And perhaps those widgets would be more creatively designed. Yeah, that's just a true statement. Uh, and that's kind of what I've got here is, yeah, a true statement. Uh, you know, taking walks uh, does allow you to be more creative. And he even goes, in here as long as you're not on the phone. <laughs> yeah, taking walks uh, allows you to be more creative as long as you're not sit there scrolling fucking TikTok while you're walking through the woods. Uh, that's not what we want to do, number one, because it's a communist app. Uh, it's a tool of the Chinese Communist Party. Anyway, um, 
So as long as you're not scrolling on the phone while you're in nature, uh, it provides a lot of benefits. And I've noticed that a, a ton. So when I go out on my walks or my rucks, especially if I don't listen to music, I get really creative when I don't listen to music. And even when I do listen to music, super creative. That's where I come up with podcast ideas. That's where I think about the podcast that I'm about to record. Uh, when I'm at work, you know, when I go out for my walk, I can definitely tell when I've missed my walk for the day and I don't miss many, but, uh, I go on a 45 minute walk every single day for lunch. And if I miss my walk, I can definitely tell that my productivity is lower and I'm just not having as good of a time (laughs) as what I would have if I would have gone on my walk. And so, uh, I didn't have much to add from that other than, yeah, it's, it's 100% completely true. Uh, get outside, go breathe in some fresh air. That's all I've got. Um, yeah, page 121 keeps going. Yeah, guys, just get outside. Go outside. Uh, there, Andrew Huberman, uh, he's not really in this book, but it kind of supports uh, what this guy is saying. They talk about the, uh, the effects of being outside and what light can do for you and your cortisol levels. Highly recommend you go and listen to Andrew Huberman's podcast uh, about why you need to get outside. And here's the thing. Get outside when it's, and this goes with the book, get outside when it's uncomfortable. You know, I just went and rucked and the wind chill is like 20 fucking degrees. Um, it was cold. Uh, went out and rucked. Get outside when it's uncomfortable experience nature in its true form now i'm not telling you to go out there and do that without a shirt on Um, yeah i wore a sweatshirt but it was still very uncomfortable get outside and experience nature like that because not only are you going to be out in nature but you're going to be uncomfortable it's a great way to stack benefits uh yeah get outside and get uncomfortable great way to do it we'll go work out outside uh even going on a walk during bad you know during cold weather is awesome man It, it just does so much for me and it's done so much for me in the past year. It really, really has. And I I can't talk enough uh, good things about getting outside regularly and making it a part of your routine. And some of you guys work outside. And if you work outside, that's awesome. Uh, Make sure, you know, on your weekends or at home, uh, don't take, you know, I see a lot of people that say, oh, well, I do a, a blue collar job, so I don't really need to work out. Uh, no, it's, it's more about the, the discipline and the motivations behind, uh, what you're doing. Like, yeah, you can still stay fit working out outside. And a lot of those guys have good metabolisms. And the moment they come into the office, I've seen a lot of guys come from the field into the office and they get fat as shit because they're no longer burning all those calories at work. But I think when it comes to the mental benefits of doing what you're doing, I think it has to do with the the intent behind it and the purpose behind it. Uh, It not only feels good to do work, but it feels good to achieve. Okay, when you're doing your monotonous day job, even if it is outside uh, at work, say you're digging ditches and you've dug ditches all day and yeah, you're burning calories, but you're not really achieving anything unless, you know, you start making goals at work to dig more ditches and that's what you're going to do. And then you'll get that dopamine hit, but 90% of people don't, they just show up to work. And so make sure you're getting the benefits outside of work. When you get home, go on a walk in nature, go look at the trees. Uh, You know, you're not paying attention to nature when you're at work. A lot of people aren't, uh, you know, go work out, uh, because you're not actually working out at work. You're not setting out to achieve a physical goal other than make money with your hands. So, uh, just a, just a little note there about getting outside. Um, so it continues to go on. Uh, the next note I have is page 128. So let's see. (laughs) 
Yeah, this is just kind of a cool fact I didn't know. It says other research shows that anti-anxiety medication uh, use rises a relative 28% for every 10 decibel increase a neighborhood experiences. And people who live near loud roads are 25% more likely to be depressed. That's a cool fact. I didn't, well, it's not cool. It's kind of shitty, but uh, it's just a neat little fact that uh, I didn't know. And what he's talking about here is how like ambient noise and just the noise around you can create uh, higher stress levels. Uh, I wonder if it's correlation or causation. Uh, I, I didn't really, I tried to look for some of the studies around that and I couldn't find just a lot of solid information on it. Uh, but I do think he has a point, and like I said, I wonder if it's correlation or causation. Maybe just louder, louder places are more stressful, not because they're louder, but because there's more stressful things going on, and that's what makes them louder. Uh, but no, I do think that that's uh, that's really interesting, and you know, I I think a good goal for everybody would be to find silence. You know, I thought about that of like, where would I even go to find any sort of silence? And it would be far off the beaten path and I would have to get very uncomfortable getting there and it would be out in nature. So um, when you're looking for true silence, as, and when I say true silence, I mean the fact that you could probably sit there for an hour and not hear any other man-made sound. Uh, that's a long ways out. It's a long ways out into nature. So I think a goal of mine is going to be to try to find what I call true silence within the next year. I think that's going to be a good goal to go see if I can just find true silence and maybe do some visualization there. That might be cool. Um, it, true, true silence with nature sounds, I think is, is, a, an achievable goal. So, uh, guys, we get into the rest of this. He talks about this sound chamber that they're talking about, uh, becoming calmer. Uh, and it, yeah, and it gets to page 132 and I don't really have much more. Uh, I appreciate y'all listening. I'm excited for part three. Uh, these, uh, we're going to get into some good stuff and the next 70 pages are going to be packed. He gets into, uh, I don't know if it's in the next 70 pages or after that, but he gets into a lot of nutrition stuff. Um, pretty soon and that stuff's really good uh the hunt gets better and he just talks about getting more and more uncomfortable and i got a lot a lot of benefit out of the second half of this book so tune in guys it's going to drop every single wednesday let me know what you think let me know whether you're enjoying this let me know if you have any book suggestions after this i'm kind of looking at my wall and i don't really know what i want to do next Uh, the only one that i think is is really tailored to this podcast is 12 rules for life and that would be a pain in the ass. Um, there's so much packed into that. I'm not saying we won't do it eventually, but I would have to find a really good structured way to do it to where nobody would get just absolutely bored because even within 10 pages of 12 rules for life, I've got annotations after annotations and notes after notes. And I don't know that I could do it any more justice than what, uh, Jordan Peterson has done it. So I'm looking for another book to do this with. Uh, if you have any suggestions, uh, let me know. We're going to have Sam on this month to talk about the comfort crisis and, uh, get his thoughts on it. Let me know your thoughts and guys, I really appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying the book. Thanks.